And welcome on in. It is Ryan Hickey here with you on this Wednesday. A happy Wednesday to you, and thank you. Thank you for choosing to spend some of it with us right here on CBS Sports Radio. Let me start right out of the gate here with something I got to get off my chest, and that's this. The New York Jets, this year so far in the NFL, are getting way too much love. And on the flip side, the Los Angeles Rams are not getting enough. Here's what I mean by that. Now since week six has come and gone, we are roughly, right, 17 games. It's not equal, but work with me here. We are a third of the way through the NFL season. And so I want to ask you now that we have a decent sample size of these teams so far through the first six weeks, which team are you seeing right now that's getting a lot of love, a lot of praise that you just are not buying into? And on the other side, which team do you think is flying under the radar but flying under the radar too much where they're actually better than a lot of people give you credit for? For the first question, the team that's getting too much love that I don't think they are truly deserving of it, it's the New York Jets. Look, let's just get this out of the way. It was a very good win for them over the Eagles on Sunday. But the takes coming out of that game about how the Jets now are legit, how they are this playoff contender, they are here in the AFC competing for one of the seven playoff spots. Stop. Stop right there. It was a nice win. Nothing more, though. They are not a playoff contender in the AFC for one very simple and one very obvious reason. Their offense sucks. In the Lord's year of 2023, you cannot be a serious playoff contender with an offense as bad as the Jets. You can't do it. Defense is really good. But how bad this offense is and how reliant this offense is on needing turnovers by the defense in order to get short fields and quick changes of possession in order to have any sort of chance at scoring You are not a serious playoff team if you need all of those breaks to go your way in order to find the end zone, in order to put points on the board. That's what this Jets offense is. This Jets Jets offense is solely reliant on turnovers forced by their defense in order to have a prayer at scoring points. And Sunday, while again, they're getting a lot of praise for that win, is the perfect and obvious example. Let's go back. Very quickly here to Sunday. Jets scored 20 points in their win over the Eagles. Let's break down how they scored those 20 points. Six of the 20, two field goals. Two field goals out of the 20 points the Jets scored on Sunday came when the Jets started a drive in their own end. So of the five times they put points on the board, three came off of turnovers and or short fields. The Eagles fumbled the ball right before halftime. Jets are covered at their own 49. So basically, okay, you're at midfield. They ended that drive with a field goal. Second half, you had a bad punt from the Eagles and also penalty on top of it. Jets started a drive at the Eagles' 36-yard line, kicked a field goal. And the only touchdown they scored at the game came off of a pick of Jalen Hurts, ran back to the Eagles' 7-yard line, and then because they were trying to get the ball back, Eagles defense allowed Brees Hall to score on purpose in order to get their offense back on the field. So three of the five times the Jets scored on Sunday against the Eagles, they did it either coming off a turnover and or getting a very short field where they didn't have to do much in order to kick a field goal, and the only touchdown again they scored was given to them on purpose by the Eagles. 
how can you seriously call yourself or be called a playoff contender if you need all of these breaks to go your way? If you can't generate your own offense, I can't sit here and do it. And I think it's frankly ridiculous. And anyone that's calling the Jets right now a legitimate playoff team at 3-3 three and three is delusional. Because also not just a one-game sample size. Right? This is not just, well, Ryan, you're taking one game right now. You're being unfair and trying to magnify or extrapolate one game as to right now what's wrong with the Jets' offense. Not the case. Look at the Jets so far this entire six-week season. They are 3-3. Three and three. In the three wins the Jets have this season, their defense has forced a grand total of 11 turnovers. 11. Also added two non-offensive touchdowns a punt return that won them the game Monday night against the Bills to open the season, and a scuba score that put the game away against the Broncos a few weeks ago. So in the three wins the Jets have, their defense forced 11 turnovers and also added two non-offensive touchdowns. In the three losses they have this season, their defense mustered a grand total of two turnovers. That's it. And look at the point differential in wins and losses for the Jets this season. Again, 11 turnovers in the three wins. In those three wins, the Jets are averaging as a team 24 points per game. And the three losses this year, where the Jets defense has forced a mere two turnovers in three games, the Jets offense is averaging 13 points per game. Look at that sample size. This is an offense that literally cannot score if they don't have a short field. They cannot put two, three, four first downs together and find a way to get in the end zone more than maybe once or twice a game without the benefit of a turnover. And now people are actually sitting here legitimately calling the New York Jets a playoff contender where their offense looks like they're running a JV offense. Where the bar is set so low for Zach Wilson, he makes one completion and people are like, wow, this guy's great. No, no, no. It's the fact that he's set the bar so low that people have lost so much faith in him, and now Jets fans specifically have no other reason right now but to root for him because there's no other option. Now they're trying to hype him up and almost over-baby him to the point where if he completes one or two passes, like, this guy is great. Look how good he is. He's back. He is not back, and the Jets' offense is one of the worst in the NFL. You cannot be a playoff contender in an offensive-driven league with one of the worst offenses in the league and an offense that is predicated on benefiting from turnovers at an insanely high and unsustainable rate. You cannot ask your defense. You cannot go into any game, no matter how great the Jets' defense is or any defense in the NFL. You cannot go into a game in 2023 and say, the path to putting up 20 points, it's forcing four turnovers. Four. A game. To have a chance to win the game. Think about it. If Jalen Hurts... Let's just say at the end of the game on Sunday, instead of throwing the interception with two minutes left to the Jets defender, what if he just took a sack or threw the ball out of bounds? Let's just say, for a guy who already turned the ball over three times in the game, if we take away just one of those interceptions and say, you know what? Okay, fine. The pass is incomplete instead of intercepted. Does anyone think that if the Eagles punt the ball in that possession down to, I don't know, the Jets' 10-yard line, 15-yard line, you name it, that the Jets, with two minutes to go, were going to drive down the field to kick a field goal? No. Because they've shown you they can't do it. 
And so we're talking about a game in which the Eagles, uh, excuse me, the Jets defense held a high-flying Eagles offense, still loads talent, loads of talent, to 14 points and forced three turnovers. If you said that before the game, oh, 99 out of 100 times, your team who holds an Eagles offense of 14 points and forces three turnovers, you're winning that game 99 times out of 100. If the Jets did not get that fourth and final turnover, they are not winning that game. That's how bad that offense is. That is how slim the margin of error is for this Jets team. And I I cannot see right now why people are looking at the Jets and how they're winning games and calling them right now a legitimate playoff contender. You can't do it because they have not shown you right now that capability on offense whatsoever. I'm not a Zach Wilson believer. And you look around the rest of the offense, it's not like they're loaded with talent everywhere. Garrett Wilson's a really damn good receiver. Really good. Behind him, though, not a lot of weapons that really scare you. Alan Lazard being your number two, again, not keeping a lot of defenses up at night. Can't run the ball consistently whatsoever. Offensive line stinks. Like, you look at the Jets, there's not a lot of formidable pieces and sure things on this offense. Again, you are accounting for Aaron Rodgers, not Zach Wilson, quarterback in this team. But Zach Wilson is the guy who's going to be quarterback in this team the rest of the season. And so now you have to look at the Jets, led by Wilson, if this offense can turn it around and or get any better. I don't see how that answer is yes. Like, if I ask you right now, what is the thing the Jets do the best? What is the one thing the Jets offense is really good at? You can't give me an answer. They right now, through six weeks, are 29th out of 32 in total offense. They are the worst passing offense in the league, and their run game is average. You are really trying to tell me a team that is 29th in total offense with the worst passing attack in the league and an average, not great, not elite, average, inconsistent run game with a great defense as a playoff contender? No. No. Not this year, not the case whatsoever. And by the way, I don't think many people are believing it, but if you are, Aaron Rodgers ain't coming back. This is not all, let's just hold down the four and maybe Aaron Rodgers will return. He is not coming back. Not this season. Guys, about to be 40 years old, coming off an Achilles injury. The record right now for, an, for a return from an Achilles injury is six months from uh, by Cam Akers. Aaron Rodgers hurt that Achilles on September 11th. Does anyone actually think he's going to surpass the six-month mark? No. Not for a guy who's 40 years old. And really, if you're the Jets, you shouldn't even want Aaron Rodgers to return because if he risks it, comes back too early, and hurts himself again, now you're jeopardizing 2024. 2023 is already down the chute. fine. Now you should be focused on, well, how can we preserve and make sure 2024 gives us the best chance to win here? Don't put 2024 at risk by bringing him back too early here in 2023. So Aaron Rodgers is not saving the day. This Jets offense is not good whatsoever. They are predicated solely on their success by turnovers and short fields by their defense at an insanely high and unsustainable rate. You are not a playoff contender in 2023 with an offense as bad as the Jets. So that's a team for me that is getting a lot of praise and a lot of love I think Franklin doesn't deserve it. Love to hear yours at 855 212 4227. 
855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. On the other side, team that's flying under the radar, I don't think getting as much love as it should be right now is the Los Angeles Rams. I will admit I am, well, I guess it's more not an admission, more of honestly kind of a humble brag, but I was higher in the Rams coming to this year than a lot of others. I picked the Rams to go to the playoffs. Because you look at this team, they are top-heavy, but still have a lot of talent. Have a great head coach of Sean McVay. Still a really damn good top-10 quarterback in Matthew Stafford, if healthy. One of the best wide receivers in the NFL in Cooper Cup. Still one of the best defensive players in the NFL in Aaron Donald. An offense line that I don't think is bad, just was banged up last year. Now is healthy. And now you're seeing with the emergence of the run game, the emergence of Puka Nakua, this team at 3-3 three and three is legit. They are a legitimate playoff contender. The Rams are making the playoffs. They survived the first four games without Cooper Cup. Were able to stay afloat. Nice win to start the season against the Seahawks. They, to me, are the real deal. They are a playoff team that right now is not getting a lot of love and not getting a lot of attention. So now that we are a third of the way through the NFL season, six weeks in the books, which team do you think right now through the first six weeks is getting a lot of attention, a lot of praise, a lot of love that you're just not buying? You're just not believing it. That you think, for lack of a better word, is fraudulent. On the flip side, right now, which team in the league through six weeks is flying under the radar, no one's really talking about, but you're saying, you know what? This is a team people got to watch out for. This is a team that's either a playoff team or if you want to get super crazy, no one's saying it now, but I believe it. They're a Super Bowl team. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. You can tweet me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. All right. When we do return here, I hate to do this. I really do. I love Micah Parsons. He's my guy. Penn Stater. I'm a Penn Stater. Don't want to bash my own. But he just doesn't get it. And when it comes to the Cowboys, he thinks the Dallas Cowboys are being treated and being judged unfairly. I disagree. I think he's wrong. I tell you what, we do return. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey with you here on CBS Sports Radio. I thought my voice has recovered from the weekend. Had one of my good friends' wedding this past weekend in Rhode Island. Had to travel for it. Great time. Tremendous venue. Awesome time. But I'll be honest, getting old, one of the biggest areas you know yourself getting old in is the fact that if you have a night out, the recovery time is not as short as you or it used to be. And boy, it is it is tough. We're still fighting through it here. Hopefully this makes me at least hopefully sound less high-pitched, which uh, I will take. And if, look, if this sounds me makes me sound more like a man, I'll take it. And hopefully this voice never actually recovers. Uh, but that is why this vo- my voice right now sounds scratchy, like I'm barely able to talk. Hopefully we can make it through another three and a half hours. Um, if it's bothering you, please... Bear with me. I promise it will get better the next time I talk to you. But we are uh, still working through a very fun weekend. And again, that's, I guess, father time reminding myself and really everyone, unfortunately. Getting old, man. It sucks. It really does suck. Let me ask you this question. When it comes to, I guess, sports, but also life in general. How do you earn the benefit of the doubt? Right? Like, how... Do you now start to have people believe in you? But I guess maybe just keep it a sports. How do you earn the benefit of the doubt in sports? 
I think for me, it's by postseason success. If you are a team that can consistently get it done in the big moment, if you break through and win a championship, you're there knocking on the door every single year. I think you earn the benefit of the doubt there to where in the next year, if you have a bad loss or get off to a slow start, there's less panic because, oh, well, we've seen them, you know, when the moment counts, they've come through. So, oh, they lost their first regular season game or they had a bad loss there. It's okay. We know that when the going gets tough, you know, they can come through and, and bounce back and when it really matters, come through. That, to me, is what the benefit of the doubt or, or how you earn it. It's by your postseason success and coming through in the biggest moments. And this is why, for me, I don't get why Micah pa- or this is why I should say, I think Micah Parsons is flat out wrong when he does not understand why the Cowboys are viewed differently than everyone else right now in the NFC, specifically the Eagles and the 49ers. So in case you missed it, I want to play it for you here. Micah Parsons, his own podcast, The Edge with Micah Parsons, was very upset with the way the media, the media, criticized or really lacked thereof the Eagles losing to the Jets and the 49ers losing to the Browns compared to how when the Cowboys lose, the world is falling. Here's Micah Parsons. Take a listen. I just don't condone the bashing of Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys and have the same energy for the Eagles. We want the same energy for everybody because there's a whole bunch of bashing when it's Dak Prescott, but not the same when it's the Eagles. So why is it that we are just scrubs and we're nobodies that don't deserve to be on the field and we're just all talk, but there's a hundred excuses for these other these other teams. If y'all just want to hate Cowboys Nation, just say y'all hate Cowboys Nation. Here is why Mike is wrong, and here is why the energy is different when the Eagles lose and the 49ers lose compared to when the Cowboys lose. Just what we talked about. The Eagles and the 49ers have earned the uh, the benefit of the doubt because of how they have played in the postseason. They have gone through the gauntlets. They have proven, in some cases in the 49ers, multiple times they can rise up when the, mat- when the moment matters most and win big games consistently. We are talking about an Eagles team that just was in the Super Bowl last year, by the way, played pretty damn well in that Super Bowl, blew out on their way to the big game, the Giants and the 49ers blew them out of the water, and dominated basically from the moment go in last year's regular season, and had an MVP caliber quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who played great with an injury, by the way, in the postseason. The 49ers... Since 2019, have been to three NFC title games and a Super Bowl. This is a team that constantly is knocking on the door. They are one of the best-built rosters in the NFL, and they win playoff games. The Dallas Cowboys have not earned the benefit of the doubt because unlike the Eagles and unlike the 49ers, the Cowboys have not won a big playoff game. The Cowboys have not won a big playoff game, and that is why there is scrutiny and panic for when the Cowboys lose, like they did two weeks ago against the 49ers, versus when the Eagles lose a bad game to the Jets, and when the 49ers lose a bad game to the Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, Les Browns. We have seen the 49ers continually dominate, both in the regular season and in the postseason. We have seen the Eagles, with this current iteration, run through the NFC and make a Super Bowl. They have earned the benefit of the doubt because we have seen both of those teams 
in the biggest moments of their respective seasons, play great football. What are the Cowboys known for? Especially in the Dak Prescott era since 2016. The Dallas Cowboys are known for having really good to great regular seasons and flopping in the playoffs. Absolutely flopping. And that is why the criticism for Dallas versus Philly and San Francisco is different. We have seen those two other teams play well in the big moment and shrug off a bad regular season loss. The Cowboys peak in the regular season, and then when the moment gets biggest, when they are facing equal, if not better, caliber teams in them with their season on the line, they continually play bad football. That is why the Dallas Cowboys are viewed and treated differently than the Eagles and the 49ers. Those two teams have earned it, earned the benefit of the doubt, that is. The Cowboys have not. The Cowboys have absolutely not. This is a team that, again, for Dallas's perspective, has won 12 games each of the last two regular seasons. Each of the last two regular seasons, they have had people believing at different points in the season, oh my goodness, this team is legit. This team is a Super Bowl caliber team. The Cowboys have fooled a lot of people into buying into them and thinking this team is legit. And you know what they have done each and every year, especially since 2016? Fall flat on their face. Uh, fall flat on their face. Flop. Lose games they shouldn't lose in the postseason. That is why the Dallas Cowboys are not taken seriously. Their 2-4 and four record since 2016 with Dak Prescott as their quarterback is the reason why they don't have the benefit of the doubt. Even though they've had, I would argue, a top-five roster each year Dak has been in the league. Obviously, let's say 2025, take it out. They haven't made the playoffs every year. That's a failure. This team, bare minimum, should be in the playoffs every single year. And that's not been the case. And then when they do get there, okay, fine, you beat an uh, 8-9 Buccaneers team that's on their last leg. Congratulations. Then when, when you need your you know a good play from your quarterback, need one drive to win the game against the 49ers, Dak continually struggled, swung and missed, turned the ball over, and did not deliver. The lack of delivery, the lack of coming through, is the reason why Dallas is viewed differently than the 49ers and the Eagles. So if you're Micah Parsons, you can't be mad about the fact that no one right now is overly critical of the Eagles or no one is crushing and or questioning the 49ers after one loss to, again, a bad, or not a bad, that's unfair for me to say, an injured Browns team at the moment. Why no one is going crazy. Why no one is selling their stock in the 49ers or in the Eagles. Because they have proved it. Over time, this team is legit, and when the big moment is there, they can be trusted upon to come through. The Cowboys have continually done the opposite. They have won the regular season Super Bowl. They have always been one of the best teams during the 17-game stretch. They have, you know, if the Super Bowl was just given out for regular season success, they would have a few Lombardi trophies. But as soon as the playoffs come, as soon as your back is against the wall and it's time to kind of put up or shut up, Dallas has shut up. And that's why they are viewed differently and they are more criticized for getting their doors blown off against the 49ers versus a bad loss by the Eagles and a bad loss by the 49 uh, by that same San Francisco team. That is why, if you're Micah Parsons, the energy 
is different. And that is why, by the way, people shouldn't keep the same energy when talking about the Cowboys versus the Eagles and 49ers. Dallas is not in the same class as Philly and San Francisco. Record-wise, they might be at the end of the regular season. Talent-wise, I would say they're in that grouping. But production-wise, playoff experience-wise, actual trust-wise, they are nowhere near that group. Nowhere near. That, to me, is why Dallas is not a Super Bowl contender in my mind. Right now, if you're asking, okay, it's not going to be Dallas, uh, if it's not going to be San Francisco, it's not going to be Philly right now coming out of the NFC, who's it going to be? My answer right now is Detroit. It's not Dallas. Because they're a team that likes to talk the talk, but when it's time to walk the walk in the playoffs, does not come through. Does not come through whatsoever. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this at 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. Is where you could shoot me a tweet on your thoughts about that. All right, when we return here on the show, it unfortunately came down today. It was official. This, as a Colts fan, hits home and is personal. Anthony Richardson is officially going to get surgery, and now his rookie year is done. He started four games, was able to start and finish just one game. With that said, with injuries miring and, frankly, ruining Richardson's promising rookie year, is it time the Colts start to readjust how they use Richardson? Should they change his style of play Keep him more healthy. My answer is no. I'll explain why when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey is here with you on CBS Sports Radio. I do want to circle back here very shortly to a conversation we led the show off with, which was which teams right now through six weeks are getting too much love that you are not buying in and which teams are not getting enough love. I want to circle back on that because we do have um, an interesting point here that I want to bring up. But before that, really fast, I want to mention one thing because it did become official today. And that is that Colts rookie Anthony Richardson is going to have shoulder surgery. That's quickly, you know, try to say that three times fast. So, uh, sh- shoulder surgery. Holy cow. I don't even know why I try to say it again. Um, and now his rookie year is going to come to an end. He's done for the year. And especially as a Colts fan, I watch every game up close, watch every single snap. And you look at right now his rookie year. He showed flashes. But the reality is going to be this is a guy who's going to start four out of 17 games in his rookie year and has started and finished just one game out of 17 to, you know, in the entirety of his rookie season. Not great. Not great at all. But with that said, the Colts next year should not change his playing style whatsoever. They should not change how they run the offense, should not change how they call plays, should not ask him to run less or do less. The Colts drafted Anthony Richardson to one day be the best quarterback in the NFL. This is a guy who partly, even for how raw and inexperienced he was coming out of Florida, the upside was there and the hype was there because when you look at a guy who is built like a linebacker, can run like a gazelle, has a rocket launcher for an arm, you have all the makings and all the potential of being the best quarterback and the most talented quarterback in the NFL if you put it all together. Not saying he will, but if he does, if he eclipses 100% of his potential, he, without a doubt, is going to be the best quarterback in the NFL. He'll be better than Patrick Mahomes. He'll be better than Joe Burrow. That is why the Colts took the chance at the fourth overall pick of taking a flyer 
on a guy that they hope, if he puts it together, could be the best guy in the NFL in five, ten years from now. And with that said, part of becoming possibly, potentially, the best quarterback in the NFL is using and utilizing that dual threat ability he has. Making defense's game plan on is he going to run the ball, is he going to pass the ball? Any given play, you have no idea. If you now get scared, if you look at this and say, well, he started and finished one game, like he got hurt three different times, we got to, you know, put some bubble wrap around him. You are taking away what makes him great, and you are taking away one of the main reasons why you drafted him in the first place. If you want to limit his running or take it away completely, you are lowering the ceiling on Richardson, and you are reducing him to a lesser quarterback. I hate to say it, it's what the Colts signed up for. It's a risk anytime you have a a mobile quarterback, you always kind of hold your breath, even with how big they are, of anytime they get hit, of them getting up and still standing unscathed. But even though it's sometimes nerve-wracking, sometimes concerning, at the end of the day, you have to let him do what makes him special. And that includes running. That includes using his athletic ability to the best, you know, putting it on the forefront, really, and allowing him to play to his max. Keeping him in the pocket, cutting down on the zone reads, telling him not to run. All you're doing is not only hurting him, hurting the team. That's now makes him great. He was not drafted out of Florida because he had the pocket presence of Tom Brady and the manipulation clutchness of Brady himself. He's not Peyton Manning at the line putting defense's minds in a blender with all the audibles and all the changes he has at the line of scrimmage. Anthony Richardson was drafted because of his dual threat ability, because of his explosiveness, because of his ability any single time to throw past 70 yards down the field or take a, you know, call his own number and run the ball 70 yards down the field for a touchdown. That's why, despite the fact you look at his numbers at Florida, where the completion percentage was shaky, where the record was not very good, where his play, you could consider to put it nicely, was inconsistent, that's why he still was the third quarterback taken and the fourth overall pick in the draft. Because you're able to get the most out of him, put it all together, you are getting an elite caliber quarterback. And that's why I don't think if you're the Colts, anything should change going forward. Don't change the way you run the offense. Don't change the way you use Anthony Richardson. Don't change the way you scheme and call plays. It sucks he's out for the year. It sucks injuries shortened his rookie year. But when he was on the field, he showed flashes and he showed you promise. Lean into that instead of being scared about the other option, which is injuries. And that's why I disagree with what the Ravens are doing. The Ravens have saw, I've seen Lamar Jackson each of the last two years get hurt, miss the end of the season, and now they have changed the way they are running their offense where Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are now more of a pass-first offense. They are taking away some of what makes Lamar Jackson so lethal and so exciting. And I don't think that's the right answer. If the Ravens are going for a Super Bowl, which is what they're doing, you then cannot ask Lamar Jackson or take some part of Lamar Jackson away and lower his ceiling. 
He won the MVP in 2019 because of what? His dual threat ability. He didn't win the MVP because he was this pocket assassin firing missiles all across the field with laser accuracy, tremendous arm strength, and a cavalcade of A-plus wide receivers. No, he won because on any given play, defenses had to account for the running back carrying the ball, Lamar Jackson carrying the ball, or him pulling it and throwing it over their heads. Three different options on each and every single play. That's what makes him one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That's what got him paid, and that's what won him the MVP. And now you look at this year, the Ravens bring in a new offense coordinator, Todd Munkin. They are desperately trying to reduce what makes Lamar Jackson so great. If you look at right now, his pass attempts through six games, if you extrapolate this current pace he's on, he is on pace for 490 pass attempts this year. Easily, easily a career high for Lamar Jackson. The Ravens are making it obvious and making it known. We want Lamar to run less. We want him to throw and stay in the pocket more. Is that truly what's going to get the Ravens over the hump? Is that how the Ravens, if they meet the Chiefs or the Bengals or the Bills or the Jaguars in the playoffs, is that how they're going to beat those teams? By Lamar Jackson being a pocket quarterback? No. You got to lean into what Lamar, what makes Lamar great, and that is his legs. Again, it's nerve wracking. It's sometimes frustrating to see, well, not sometimes, it definitely is frustrating to see your franchise quarterback go down with an injury. But it's part of what makes him special, and it's part of what you signed up for. So I think if anything, the Colts right now cannot change the way they're on the offense, because if you look at it right now with the Ravens, it's not like the Ravens' offense is lighting it up. It's not like Lamar is looking totally comfortable and or has the best wide receiving crew out there to throw the ball almost 500 times in a season. Lean into what makes these quarterbacks great. And even though, yes, it's a injury risk, the reward is also great. The reward is extremely high. Lean into that. All right, we started off the show by asking a very simple question here. Which team for the first six weeks of the season is getting too much praise that you are not buying into, and which team on the other side is flying under the radar and not getting enough praise? I think for me, the Jets are getting too much praise. Three and three, after they beat the Eagles, a lot of people are calling this team legit. A lot of them, a lot of people are calling this team a playoff contender. I'm not buying it. I'm not seeing it. Their offense is too reliant on their defense forcing turnovers and giving them short fields for them to legitimately be able to be considered a threat in 2023 where offensive football is prevalent. And on the flip side, Tina's not getting enough attention. I think it's flying under the radar here is the Rams. They're also 3-3. Three and three, Survived a rough four-game stretch without Cooper Cup. Now he's back. Add in his twin, apparently, in Puka Nakua. Offense is looking good under Matt, uh, Matthew Stafford. He's healthy. Offense line is blocking well in the run game. And they have some balance in offense. This team, to me, is a playoff team. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. And Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. Which team right now is not getting enough praise through six weeks? Which team, is your, in your mind, is overhyped? Chad is calling from Green Bay. What's up, Chad? 
What's going on, man? Um, I want to talk some Lions, kind of. It's sure. crazy. i got to say the Lions are one of the best teams in the NFL. And I think a lot of it has to do with coaching and culture. And that's where I go back to Green Bay now. Like I don't know what our identity is. Detroit is defense, and Jared Goff controls the game. I don't know what our identity is. I don't know what Matt LaFleur brings to the table. I see what Dan Campbell does. I would say, honestly, for Detroit, their identity is even like kind of airing it out and relying on that offense first and defense now. It's starting to round into form second. But to your point, like I think the identity, Chad, should be, especially with Jordan Love uh, and those running backs, running the ball, right, establishing the run, which feels like also, by the way, Matt LaFleur has wanted to do for years in Green Bay. But obviously when you have Aaron Rodgers, kind of hard to tell him, hey, by the way, we're going to run the ball more than we pass it. The Packers should be one of those ground-and-pound play tough physical games in the trenches, run the ball down your throat, shorten games, and then have Jordan Love make two, three, four passes a game in order to win you the game. That should be, should be their identity, Chad. That's what I thought it was going to be, but then you see, like, I forget the game, but we're running, like, these reverse throwbacks to the quarterback, and it's like, what are we doing here, guys? Yeah, it's been frustrating. We don't don't have an identity. It seems like we're just running random plays almost sometimes. I would agree with that, Chad, and I appreciate the call, but I think it's part of the reason why right now there's I didn't understand the Packers' love in the preseason, uh, especially, too, after their hot start where you have that blowout over the Bears back when people actually were, I'm not going to say believing, but let's say we're intrigued by Chicago and what Justin Fields would look like now with DJ Moore and a little bit more talent added on the offense. So you had a big statement win in, in week number one. You come back in week number two against the Saints, you're 2-0. and I think there's a real reason all of a sudden people are like, oh, this team is legit. I, for me at least... Still wanted to kind of take baby steps, and I'm viewing Jordan Love, again, as someone who's basically in his rookie year. I know he's been in the league now for a few years, and this is, I believe, year number four, but obviously he didn't start the first three. He's still, to me, is in year number one because now he's actually playing for the first time. So take it easy. Make it easy on him. And again, try to rely. I know Aaron Jones has been hurt, so that's also kind of made it tough. But try to rely on your run game first before putting it all on the shoulders of, um, of Jordan Love. But the Lions, I know Chad wanted to bring it up and say that they are um, the best team in the NFC. I think that would then fall into the category of a team not getting enough love, if that makes sense. Like, the Lions haven't talked about a ton, and rightfully so. We'll talk about Super Bowl contenders in the NFL in just about an hour or so from now. Um, I came into the season with five teams I thought could win a Super Bowl. I think through six games right now, that list has been up to eight. So I'll tell you the three teams that have been added so far through the first um, six weeks. Spoiler alert, Lions are on there. For me right now, I still have the Eagles and 49ers ahead, but that gap is closing rapidly. Detroit is legit. I've been impressed, honestly, mostly with their defense. Like, Jared Goff, I think, has shown enough even last year in the second half to believe Jared Goff is truly now a good quarterback. Like, he's a really solid, borderline great quarterback in the NFL right now. He's playing really well. There's a lot of talent on the offense around him that he's utilizing. He's spreading the ball out nicely. But so far, and we kind of saw it most recently here in Week 6 against the Buccaneers, that defense for Detroit, which especially in the first half of last year, was a major question mark and a major Achilles heel. They're rounding into form. That defensive line, that is brutal to block. They are causing a lot of havoc, obviously led by Aiden Hutchinson, who's been tremendous so far. That is right now a defense that, to me, is really impressed, and that was where... 
if the Lions are going to be serious, if the Lions are going to be a legitimate, a legitimate contender in the NFC to make a Super Bowl run, it had to come on the defensive side. And so far through six weeks, especially after week number two against the Seahawks that lit up, uh, lit them up for 37 points, we are seeing that. As a reminder, think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. All right. When we return here, it's Ryan Hickey with you on CBS Sports Radio. I want to circle back to the absolute choke job, the absolute collapse by Colorado and Deion Sanders uh, on Friday night against Stanford and ask you this question as we kind of spin it forward here. Colorado is 4-3 and with a brutal schedule. If they miss a bowl game, if they finish the year with four or five wins, does that undermine what Dion has done? Does that take some of the shine off Coach Prime and Colorado? We'll discuss next. It's Ryan Icke with you on a Wednesday. Where else? But right here, CBS Sports Radio.